You are listening to New Life the Fort. We pray that this season you take possession of every good gift God has prepared for you. You're ready for the word. Ready for God to speak something to your heart. Amen. Well, why not stand with me? We're going to read our verse for the year. How many of you had an awesome week of possessing your todays? How many breakthroughs in the house? Anybody? Come on, we're believing for more for you guys. Every day is a breakthrough in Jesus. Amen? Well, let's read our verse for the year. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. Are you guys ready? The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain and in the mountains and in the lowland. In the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Amen. This is our word. We're going to possess the land this year, New Life the Fort. Amen. But we need to understand something. As you read in the Old Testament, how many of you know that is the Old Testament has Jesus concealed? It has new covenant promises concealed, hiding in the shadows. But if you have your new covenant glasses on, you can see new covenant truths hiding in the Old Testament. But when you're in the New Testament, you see Jesus revealed. You see his beauty on display. You see what he has done for you. You see the promises that you have in him. That is what happens when we read the New Testament. All right? But we are reading in the Old Testament here. And we need to know, New Life the Fort, what God has spoken to this house this year. We need to see what this is saying to us. Are you guys ready? We're going to put ourselves in this story right now, and we're going to interactively together... We're going to have interactive Bible reading. Is that okay? All right, we're going to read this, and we're going to see what it's saying about us. Because it involves each and every one of us. Amen? Let's start from the top. The Lord our God spoke. The Lord our God here is Yahweh. It speaks of the covenant-keeping God. The one who gives promises to his children. Promises that are faithful to a thousand generations. Promises that his word will never, ever fail in your life. Promises that God cannot be a liar. He cannot speak one word that falls to the ground. This is your God who is speaking to you this year, year of possession. He has promises for each and every one of you. Covenant promises. He spoke to us in Horeb. Horeb, is the the meaning of this word is desert place. It's a barren place. It's a place of barely enough. It's actually describing the place known as Mount Sinai. Anybody know about Mount Sinai? Where the law was given, right? Where that system of self-effort came. The system that said you must achieve in order to be blessed. It's based on how much you can perform. This is Horeb. Our covenant-keeping God saying, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. 
You have dwelt long enough at this mountain of self-effort. You have dwelt long enough at this place of being introspective. You see, under the law, the law can only point out your fallings, your failings, your shortcomings. How many of you know it's tiring to always see where you fall short? The law cannot empower you to live in the promises that God has. It can only tell you where you fall short, why you can't, why you won't. But God says you have dwelt long enough in the place of not enough. Yeah? Look what he says to New Life the Fort, to each and every one of you. Take your finger like this and point it right here at your chest. Turn, turn, and take your journey. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for the person beside you. You need to do it for yourself. Turn away from this this place of looking at what you need to do. Turn away from self-effort. Turn away from always falling short. Turn away. Are you ready to turn away? I know you are. But the thing is, if you're going to turn away from something, you need to turn to something much better. Because if you're turning away from the law, the system of performance, it can't be about you if you're going to turn away. You need to make the decision, but it can't be about your effort trying to turn away. It has to be about something greater. So what is the Lord speaking? It says here, turn and take your journey. Go to the mountains of the Amorites. Where are we going? We're going up. Put your finger up. Come on, we're going to the mountains, to the high places, to all the neighboring places in the plains. And in, in the mountains and in the lowland, put your finger down, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon. Put your finger to the side. As far as the great river, the river Euphrates. What did we just do? We just walked north, south, east, West, west, east, something like that. We just took the crosswalk. Turn from this place of self-effort and look to the cross. Because the cross is where everything changed. The cross is where the power flows. The cross is where your life gets put into order. The cross is where you become more than enough for your circumstance and your situation. The cross is your place of empowerment. Turn from looking at yourself and turn to the cross where Jesus Christ finished the work for you. Where all of his promises over your life, his covenant promises are yes and amen for those that will believe. Any believers in the house? Come on. Verse 8. Once you've turned to the cross, guess what? The Bible tells us the veil is removed. When you look at the law, the law puts a veil over you because it only shows you what you're not. But when you see Jesus, when you see the cross, you can see. Why? Because you see what's greater than yourself. You see what's beyond you. It causes your eyes to lift up to see what he has done. That is why, church, you can know that you're going to possess the land this year in the year of possession. Because it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about Jesus and what he has done at the cross. If you can put your trust in that, you will see. You will see. 
Because it's not up to your ability to see. It's up your, your ability to turn to the one that sees it all. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them and their descendants after them. Amen? These guys were going in to possess a physical land. It's a type and shadow of what we have in Christ. Christ is our new covenant promised land. I said it earlier, every promise in him is yes and amen to the believer because he purchased the price. He paid the price for you and I at the cross. He paid the price we could not pay. Amen. So Moses spoke this scripture. We're still in the story, okay? It's still interactive reading. Moses spoke this story to the children of Israel, but there was one thing standing in the way at this time between them and the promised land. There's, there's one thing that was standing away between you and your promises in Christ, and that is a river of judgment, the Jordan River. Okay, that's, what, that's the place that the children of Israel were in. They needed to cross the Jordan River in order to get into the physical promised land. How many of you know this is our story as well? Jordan means descending. Okay, it descends all the way down to the Dead Sea. It's a picture of judgment. Okay, they needed to get across the Jordan River in order to get into the promised land. And my question for you today is, if you're standing on one side of the Jordan River and you need to get to the other side, what do you do? You're going to have to swim, right? So my question for you is, how many in here are swimmers? Can you raise your hand? Any swimmers in the house today? Boy, we only have like 10 swimmers in this whole service. Raise up your hand if you can swim. It's okay if you can't. No condemnation. We love you anyway. Okay, if you can't swim, please take your seat. If you cannot swim, you get to take your seat. Well done. You can't swim. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, we need swimming lessons. Somebody should start a business teaching people how to swim (laughs) here in the fort. Guys, we live on an island. Did you know? If anything happens, we're going to need to swim. Oh, boy. Anyways, all right. How many of you think that if your life depended on it, the Bible says that the Jordan River during this time was overflowing its banks? Okay, I asked Google what the Jordan River was like during this time. It said it was about 1.6 kilometers across and flowing about 16 kilometers at the current. So you swimmers in the house, do you think if your life depended on it, you could swim 1.6 Ks with a 16 kilometer per hour current? Somebody, please stay standing. If you think you can swim across, please stay standing. Oh, this is not working. This is not working. Oh, my beautiful wife will stand for me. Wow. She is a good swimmer, but not a good swimming instructor. She once taught me how to swim and forgot to tell me about blowing bubbles out your nose. So I had a headache for two days because I had so much water in my head. And then I said to her, why didn't you teach me to blow bubbles? And she was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that. Anyways, so Katie... Since you're a good swimmer and you can swim across this river known as judgment, the only thing is, is you need to swim all the way across without getting wet. 
Do you think you can? Ah, uh, I got her on that one. That's really the picture, guys. Without Christ, there is no way across judgment. We could not do it on our own strength. The children of Israel could never get across that river if, they, if it was about them because they wouldn't have made it. But how many of you know the story? The priest took the Ark of the Covenant, the picture of the presence of God on the earth, and they began to put one foot in front of the other. And as they went into the river, the Bible tells us that the waters stood far away. The waters stood far away. It's just like what Christ did for us at the cross. He took at the cross, he stood in the middle of judgment for us, and he absorbed every last bit of sin, death, and condemnation. He took it all. He absorbed it for you and I. He took away the waters of judgment so that you and I could walk across on dry land. There is not a single ounce of judgment for you. No more. It has been canceled in Christ. He is the way across to the promised land. And that is what happened for the children of Israel. As they walked across, they put one foot in front of the other, and it says all of them walked across on dry land. And they stood on the other side of the Jordan River. Amen. And so I want to pick up this story as the children of Israel across the Jordan River, okay, in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 20. The instruction here was, is that as they were crossing the Jordan River on dry land, the leader of each of the 12 tribes was to pick up a stone and carry it with him out of the Jordan River and bring it with him to his place of dwelling. All right? To put it at the the place of dwelling, and then we pick it up, and it says, In these twelve stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Verse 21. And he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Let me tell you something. All the world needs to know that God's hand is upon your life. And when his grace flows to your life, when his favor is evident upon your life, the world will take notice. It's not just a little bit of favor. It is a a pouring out of God's goodness and blessing over your life. That is the life of a believer in the promised one, Jesus Christ. The world needs to take notice. Amen. But there's a beautiful truth here I want you to see in verse 20. Another type and shadow. Okay? As I mentioned, they took stones out of the Jordan River. They carried it to their place of dwelling. Now, 12 is the number of divine government or divine order, okay? Governmental order or divine order, 12, okay? You'll see 12 disciples, 12 stones, lots of 12s in the Bible, all right? They took these 12 stones, and they put them at their place of dwelling. I love this picture Because right here it says that Joshua set up the memorial in Gilgal. He took these stones that were at their dwelling and he brought them together and he set it up as a memorial so that they could tell the generations 
about what God did when they crossed over. Okay? Now, they put the stones at their dwelling, but it says Joshua set it up in Gilgal. Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. How many of you know Jesus is the one that puts perfect order to your life? It is not you that makes the order for your life. You must trust in his divine plan and purpose to bring perfect order into your life. It's, if it's up to me, at this mountain, my life will be in disarray. Because I do not have what it takes to overcome everything that the enemy will throw at me. But when I allow him to fight my battles for me, my life will find its way to perfect order. Because that is what he died for. That is what he paid his life for. Divine order for the believer. So they took the stone to their dwelling. But Joshua set up the memorial. Jesus sets perfect order into your life. It doesn't matter where your dwelling is. It doesn't matter what your dwelling looks like. It doesn't matter where you came from or what your past looks like. Jesus will set your life in perfect order. So he set it up in Gilgal as a remembrance. You know, this is very much like what we do each week when we come in here, when we partake of communion. Communion is one of those things that the Lord gives us to remember his finished work at the cross. It's like coming to these 12 stones just like they did and telling their children. It's like coming to this place and remembering, hey, God puts my life in perfect order. I may come in here and it may seem like my life is in a wreck right now, but I'm going to hold this bread and this juice that symbolizes his finished work and says that my life needs to match up to what he has done at the cross. Each and every time that we partake of communion, we are shouting out to our life, to our circumstances, to our situation, you do not have the final say. My Savior has the final say. He gave his life. He poured out his blood. There is not one ounce of judgment for me. I am on dry land. And my life has been put into order because of what he has done. And this will be the final word over my life. Amen? Let's never take that lightly. Because this is our 12 stones. This is the one that speaks, hey, my life has been put into order. I have crossed over the Jordan River. Amen? And I like it. It says, he set it up in Gilgal. Gilgal means a wheel rolling. A wheel rolling. Jesus set our perfect order at the cross, right? They went to the 12 stones in Gilgal. This is what I see, the picture. From the place of the 12 stones, from the place of the cross, there is a momentum. There is a wheel that's rolling. It's a momentum. It's a divine momentum. Ever since the cross of Calvary, all the way through, this wheel has been rolling. A divine momentum has been happening. Under the old covenant, it's fading away. Under the new covenant, it goes from one glory to the next glory to the next glory. This is the trajectory of your life. There is divine momentum for every one of you in this house. For your life, for your business, for your family, for your relationships, there is divine momentum that says it must turn around. It must get better because Jesus says so. I will let him answer his life at the cross, what he did at the cross. It is enough for divine momentum to happen in your life.
Believe in what he has done. That is the place where the power always flows, the foot of the cross. From that place, coming from there as a believer, that's where the momentum will go into your life, and you will see breakthroughs in every area of your life. Do you see the picture? Joshua 5 verse 1. I love this because there's something else that happens when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River. It says here, we're just reading down Joshua, okay? We haven't skipped any verses from chapter 4, verse 20. Now chapter 5, verse 1. It says, so it was. So it was when the children of Israel crossed over, when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the children of Israel until they had crossed over, that their heart melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Here's the picture for you and I. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus paid the ultimate price, right? And then he went to hell and took the keys back from the enemy. And he rose again on the third day. And guess what? All of your enemies over your life, their hearts melted. Because they saw that you've just come across this river of judgment that you had no way across. But now you're standing on the other side. You're standing tall and you're shouting your praise to the one that has done it for you. And as you do that, all of your enemies know they have no life left in them. They have nothing that can stand against you, believer, when you stand in the promises of God and you trust in what Jesus has done. They cannot stop you. They cannot do anything against you. They have lost their heart. You need to see your enemies as defeated foes. They are defeated before you. There may be giants standing in your life today. There may be obstacles that are pressing up against you today. But those obstacles, you need to look back at them and realize they already know that they're defeated before you. The only way they can get you to stop is if they can get you to move backwards, to stop, to freeze, and to not look to what Jesus has done. Because if you look to what Jesus has done, you will always realize that he is more than enough. If it's about me, it's going to be difficult. But if it's about him, let me tell you something. He will always find a way. He will always find a way. Amen? Verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel Again, a second time. What's happening here? It's a mark of the covenant. Okay? It's a mark of covenant that will remind them that they are going to conquer this promised land, not because of their effort, but because of God's promise. It's a promise mark, a covenant mark. How many of you know that Jesus cut a covenant with the Father for us? He was the man that came down as a man, as God. He died in our place, and he made a covenant with the Father God on our behalf. And that is why you and I, we also are circumcised in the new covenant. Do you know that? The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but in a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ by stripping off 
the body of the flesh, that whole corrupt and carnal nature with its passions and lusts. Thus you were circumcised when you were buried with him in your baptism and with which you were raised with him to new life through your faith in the working of God as displayed when he raised him up from the dead. This is what happened when you believed on Jesus. He died at the cross and he rose again. Remember, he didn't just die for you. He died as you. Pastors told us that. And when he rose again, you rose again with him to life. And the Bible tells us that you've been circumcised in your heart, meaning your heart used to be rock hard. But that rock hard heart was cut away. The flesh part of that heart that was alive to the flesh, to the law, that was cut away. And the Bible says you've been given a heart of flesh or a spirit that's sensitive to the voice of your heavenly father. It's sensitive to hear the promises that God has over your life. It's sensitive to the voice of your shepherd. That's what a circumcised heart is. It's one that's alive to God. How many of you know that you, as a new creation, have been made to hear the voice of God? You've been pre-programmed that way. That is, that is the way that you exist as a new covenant believer, to hear the voice of God. Don't make it too hard. God speaks to you in a way that you can understand. Amen? Philippians 3.3. 3. Are you guys Okay. For we worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ has done for us, and we put no confidence in human effort. Amen? We're going to possess what God has taken a hold of us this year because He is able. He is able. He is more than enough. Amen? Now, I want to go now to um, uh, Luke chapter 8, okay? And I want to share with you a story also where we we find divine order happening in real people's lives when Jesus was present on the earth. Okay, the reason why I believe this is so significant, one of the reasons why is because how many of you know divine order has happened at the cross? We just talked about that. But you know what? It's not automatic for our lives. Divine order doesn't just happen automatically. Otherwise, we would all be living in everything that God has promised us. Am I right? I don't know about you, but I could use some things to be put in rightful order in my life. You see, it doesn't happen automatically, but God doesn't also want to withhold divine order from you and me. He wants this to be a part of our life. He wants divine order in our life. And I believe that what we're going to read here in Luke chapter 8 is going to show us the way that we can receive divine order in every area of our life. Are you with me? So Luke chapter 8 starts out with Jesus with the 12, all right? And he's there preaching the good news about the kingdom. And then he talks, he teaches about the parable of the, the sower, okay? The one who sows the word on four different types of ground. Then he gets, he gets in the boat and he goes with his disciples. He's headed over to the other side. And they encounter a windstorm and a wave storm in the middle of the boat. And he says, peace, be still, order to the wind and the waves. Then they get to that side of the, the region. There's a man with many demons, the Bible says, and Jesus casts the demons into the swine and they go into the water. And then the man is fully dressed and in his right mind. Perfect order came to that man because Jesus visited that place. Then they get back in the boat and they come over here to Luke chapter 8 verse 40 and we, we pick up the story. 
You guys may know this story, but stay with me, okay? The story of the, the woman with the issue of blood. Anybody heard the story? Okay, so Jesus returns, and it says, the multitude welcomed him. It's good to welcome Jesus into your life. He's never going to take from you. Always good to welcome him. For they were all waiting for him. Anybody waiting for a promise? Anybody waiting for something in here? God wants you to have it. He wants to get it to you. He wants this year for you to possess what you are waiting for. Amen? Verse 41. Luke 8, 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. Jairus means whom God enlightens. Whom God enlightens. I believe God's going to enlighten us. Amen? And he was a ruler of a synagogue. In other words, he was a ruler of a place where the law was read. He was a person that lived under the law. Okay? Jesus was coming to transition between two different covenants. But he was the new covenant man. And it says this guy, a ruler of a synagogue, he fell down at Jesus' feet and he begged him to come to his house. He begged him to come to his house. Verse 42. For he had a daughter who was about 12 years of age, but she was dying. She needed order in her life. She needed divine order in her life. But then it says, as he went with Jairus, the multitudes thronged him. The multitudes thronged him. This word throng comes from the root word. It really means to strangle or, or to, what is it? What's the root word? to uh, strangle. The, the word actually means to choke, okay? Can you picture a crowd trying to choke something out of Jesus? They want something from him, but they're, in their effort, they're trying to choke. They're pressing against him, trying to choke Jesus. It's a picture of self-effort, okay? So you have people living under the law. They recognize the goodness of Jesus, but they're trying to choke something from him. All right, verse 44. Sorry, 43, yes. Now a woman, okay, enter a woman. We had a 12-year-old daughter dying. Enter a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. She had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. All right, so another picture of trying to give self-effort, trying to fix your problems in and of your own strength, trying to put your own life in order, this woman. But it says here that this woman, in another account, it says that she heard about Jesus. And she said to herself, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. It's so important what you hear about Jesus. It's so important what you hear. Because what you hear will cause you to respond. She could only respond to touch the hem of his garment if she first heard that he was good, that he wanted to heal her, and that there was healing available by touching. She heard about Jesus. And the Bible says that she came up from behind him and she touched the hem of his garment. And it says immediately the flow of blood stopped. Immediately the flow of blood stopped. And Jesus turned around. Sorry, Jesus asked his disciples Who touched me? Who touched me? And Peter says to him, Master, the crowds, they throng and they press you. And you asked, who touched me? You know, I love the picture here because this really shows us that in the new covenant from Jesus 
himself, power is always flowing. Power is always flowing. Life is always flowing in the new covenant. You see, he didn't, he didn't, necess- he didn't know who touched him. He was asking who touched him. But one came up from behind and just touched the hem of the garment, and the power flew. He didn't even know who it was, but the power flew. Why? Because there was a touch of someone who was believing in his goodness. There was a touch in someone who was believing who he says he was. If you simply believe who he says he is, you can touch him in whatever area of your life that you need a breakthrough. He wants the power to flow. But too often we are struggling and striving for things that he has already provided for us. It's already ready and waiting for us. Our job is to believe. To believe. So this woman, she touches him. Next verse, verse 46. Jesus said, somebody touch me for I perceive power going out from me. Verse 47. Now the woman saw that she was not hidden and she came trembling falling down before him, and she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. In another account, it says that she told him the whole truth. In other words, she would have said, I've been bleeding for 12 years. I know I was breaking all the laws running out here. I know that I should not be in public. I'm unclean. But I heard about you, Jesus. I heard about your goodness. I heard that you were healing people that did not deserve it. I heard that you were healing people who were breaking laws. I heard that you were healing sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors. I heard it, so I came running. And she, you know what? I believe this is me. I don't know. But there's a prophecy in Malachi that says the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings. She may have heard the prophecies about him, and she believed who he was. And so, therefore, she knew if I can only touch those wings, I will be made well. We need to start believing for what we don't deserve. Let's not settle for the land of what I I get what I deserve. Let's go to the place where I get what he deserves. I get what he paid for. Too many of us are living right here, struggling and striving. Let's live the Jesus life. Let's glorify him by walking in all that he paid for. Because it's much better than what we can do on our own strength. Amen. But there's somebody else in this story. Remember Jairus. As this is all going on, remember, they're on their way to Jairus' house. Okay? He was begging God. The the crowds were thronging him. All right? And Jairus was all the while walking to his house, and Jesus gets interrupted on the way there by this woman who's had a flow of blood for 12 years. And then somebody runs in, okay, and says... I'm sorry, let me go to, before we get to Jairus, I want to go to Ephesians. I want to read to you out of the, uh, sorry, Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 21, 22, and 26. I want to read to you a new, a new covenant description of what we just saw with the woman of issue of blood. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This is what we just saw with the with Jesus and the woman, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference to all and on all who believe. What's the qualification? Those who believe to all and on all. 
How many of you want some of that? To me and on me. Yes. To me and on, on me who believe. For there is no difference. Meaning God does not differentiate between one or another. There's no preference in the kingdom. It's available for all. For anyone who would believe. Verse 26. To demonstrate. God loves to demonstrate. At the present time, his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Meaning, he will be the just cause for what you're believing for. He will justify. He will take the place so that you rightfully can receive what his righteousness wants to pour out to you. Amen. Back to Jairus. So we're back in the story. Verse 49. While they were still speaking, someone came from the ruler's synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Put yourself in Jairus' shoes. Jesus is now following him to his house. His daughter's still alive. This crowd is, you know, making it difficult. Then the woman comes. This thing happens, and now his daughter has died. Do you have any situations in your life where you feel like you've been waiting for a long time, but things seem to be dead? Anybody? God wants to revive things that have been lying. God wants to revive things in your life that have been let, let lie. He wants to resurrect those things today. He wants you to know that he can breathe life into any area of your life that you will submit to him. Some of you in here just need to submit some plans and things that you've been holding on to for quite some time. You need to submit it to him. Because he wants to breathe life into it. Only he can breathe life. Only he is the giver of life. But in the new covenant, there is nothing dead when Jesus is present. Things cannot stay dead when Jesus is present. So, Jairus is there. It's decision time. You know, Jairus, at this point in time, you can imagine the flood of emotions there could be even frustration. He's just seen this law-breaking woman come in. She gets what she needs, but yet his daughter is passed away. Imagine what he's facing. The emotions, all the things. At this point in time, he could walk away. He has a choice to walk away, just like we all do. We can walk away. It is our choice, but let me tell you something. At the moment in time where things are so difficult and you don't have any answers... There is one that has an answer. There is one that can answer for the difficult situations in your life. You may not have the answer, but I know one who does. And look what happens. Verse 50. When Jesus heard it, how many of you know he hears it? He hears what's been spoken over your life. He sees the things that you're going through. He hears, he sees, and he answers. And here's his answer. If you don't get anything today... Get this, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. Only believe. This is the new covenant place. Only believe. Only believe that he is so good, that he can breathe life into dead things, that he is always more than enough. Only believe, and she will be made well. Let's follow the story, verse 51. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. 
I like the picture here because Peter means stone, right? It's a picture of the law. John, uh, James means supplanter or replaces, and John means grace. He permitted no one to go in except the law being replaced by grace. How many of you know Jesus was there in all of his grace, in all of his goodness? He was coming to that house to breathe life into that girl. Amen. Verse 52. Now all wept and mourned for the little girl, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And verse 53, they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. But it says, Jesus put them all outside and he took them by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. You know, some of you have voices in your life that want to point to your faults, your failures, your shortcomings. You need to be careful what voices you listen to. Sometimes when people ridicule you for stepping out on things that are bigger than yourself, there will be voices that try to pull you back down to that place of not believing. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Do what Jesus did. Gracefully put them outside. Sometimes you just need to put them outside of yourself. Don't allow them to take voice in your life. Only allow one voice in your life. It's the voice of the Son, Jesus. He is the one that speaks life over your life. He is the one that tells you about who you are in Him. That is the voice that you must listen to. That is the voice that will breathe life into you. And it's the same voice of the one who took that little girl by the hand and caused her to rise up again. How many of you know Jesus is going to cause things to rise up in your life? In your life. I want to read a prophecy in Isaiah, by Isaiah the prophet, in verse, uh, chapter 42, verse 5 to 7, speaking about Jesus. God speaking to Jesus here. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone and life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is he who says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness, and I will take you by the hand, and I will guard you. And I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind and you will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in the dark dungeons. God is saying, Jesus, I take you by the hand. I guard you and I protect you. And I believe to each and every one of us here today, Jesus, our new covenant partner, is saying to us, I take you by the hand. I guard you and I guide you. And I want to release to you the healing power of life to bring light and life to the nations. As it is in you, through you. Jesus wants to be you to be a light, the salt and light of the earth. Amen? To season the earth everywhere you go because you understand who you carry with you everywhere that you go. And we go back to Luke chapter 9 verse 1. We're just reading down this story right after... Jesus raises the little girl. He then calls his 12 disciples together and he gives them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. He sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he says this to them. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick 
a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. What is Jesus saying here? I believe he's saying, not that you can't take anything with you to do life with him. I don't think that's the point. I think what he's trying to say is, if you don't have anything in this life, I'm more than enough. If you don't even have a bag, if you don't even have a place to live today, if you have a past that doesn't look good, I'm more than enough. Submit your life to me and get, get ready for all my promises to come to pass in your life. Because your position right now cannot determine what he is going to do with your life. You may have a lot right now in your eyes. But maybe some of you need to get rid of some things that are causing you not to trust fully in him. Because there's only one way to do the impossible in the kingdom of God. It's in full trust in believing in who Jesus is. That is the only way that works. It's only about believing. It's not believing in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. No, it's all about believing in him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So my question for you today is, is there anyone here in here that can only believe? Anybody? Can you raise up your hand? Only believe in Jesus. Do you have the ability to only believe today? Just stretch forth your hands to Jesus right now. All over this place. I know there's many people in here that have been waiting for things. I sense it in my spirit for this service. That there's things that have been lying dormant that are within reach, but you've just let go of them. But Jesus wants to revive it today. And he would say to you, it's not about what you possess. It's about who you possess. He is the one that's going to possess what you have. He's already possessed what it is that you are believing for. But you must just focus your eyes onto him. You must realize that it's all about Jesus. So right now, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would just revive dreams. Revive dreams. Revive hearts. Revive your people with your fresh wave of your spirit of grace. I thank you that it just pours out to every heart in this place. I thank you for that power flow that's flowing from the cross, that momentum that's flowing from the cross to just pick your people up and sweep them into the plans and purposes that you have for them today. I thank you that nobody will be missed out this year. Nobody in this house will miss out this year. We will possess together each and every individual. I speak strength to you. I speak purpose to you. I speak the breath of heaven to you. In Jesus' name, possess those things that he has possessed for you. In Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he did step into the middle of judgment for you, and he took it all for you. He took it all for the world. For whosoever would believe on him, there is life everlasting available for you. If you're here today and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is your day. Today you can make a decision for Jesus. He is calling out, reaching out to you, and he wants to arise you to new life today. His, his hand is reaching out for you. If you have never taken his hand today, I would like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're in here and you've never made that decision, 
Could you just lift up your hand all over this place? Just lift up your hand to Jesus. Just reach out to him because he is reaching out to you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you so much for those hands. Thank you for those hands. The important thing is not that I can see your hands, but that Jesus can see your hand and that he knows that you are reaching back to him. So you can put your hands down now. Congregation, please please pray this prayer with those that are praying it for the very first time. Say this, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for dying at the cross for me, for shedding your blood for my sins, for rising again to new life, for giving me life. Today, Jesus, I make a decision to make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.